In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Folks, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast, the first Galaxy Cast of 2019. I am your host, Bob Chris. I have with me how many people in the studio? Three. I have with me Eric the Artist. Well, golly, it's good to be back. I have with me Gary the Stud. Well, shazam. <laughs> and I am crazy. So, we have a lot of things we want to talk about with you tonight. We have four main topics. Our first topic is going to be why Star Trek Four has been shelved and canceled. We're going to talk about the fact that Disney's ordered up a second season of Star Wars Resistance. Why? We're going to confirm that IG-88 is in Star Wars The Mandalorian. And then very quickly, we're going to review... I shouldn't say very quickly, because we know that's a lie. We're going to review the Star Wars fan film Vader Episode One: Shards of the Past, a Star Wars theory fan film that we watched tonight, which was epic. Okay, so our first topic tonight is a Star Trek topic. That's right, not Star Wars. Remember when I said we were a Star Wars and more show? That's right. We can do more than just Star Wars. It's all cool. Tonight, we're going to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> we're going to talk about why Star Trek 4 has been canceled. Now, is it canceled or shelved? That's the really weird thing. Like, every website <clears> I, <throat> I, I read about this at, it was like a different response to it. Well, in this business, when something is shelved, of this magnitude. You think it's canceled pretty much? <clears throat> I it could get resurrected, but as we go into the details, I'll kind of describe why it might not. Right, right. I, I agree with Erica, at least the way they're describing this, I, I believe shelved is going to mean canceled. I don't think there's coming back at least not from what the discussion is right now. Yeah, and probably not in this not in the form we know. Right. So the the main reasons they talk about first off the first one we're on screen rant by the way talking about this is that Star Trek Beyond underperformed. There's no doubt that Star Trek Beyond underperformed. It did. My question to you guys: Why do you think Beyond underperformed? I mean, I know you've all watched it. I've watched <clears> it. 
What do you think about Star Trek Beyond caused it to underperform? To me, there was no... I know they tried to shrink it. They wanted it to be more intimate. They wanted it to be more character-driven. So they, But we had another crashing of the Enterprise, which was not an original idea, right. to start off the whole... To get us into the flow of the movie. Right. <clears throat> and then nothing to me super amazing happened in it that was like... Wow, this is this is the epicness. I mean, when you go to the Star Trek movies, they need to be universe-shattering right. levels of plot in terms of how interesting they are to keep you going. I mean, the first one, an entire universe was rebooted. Was created, yeah. Was recreated and rebooted. Uh, the second one, people didn't like it. I actually kind of liked it, but you reintroduced Khan, and you had this big reintroduction, really? and... Okay, so I'm I just, did like it. I, I'm just curious because, like, okay, so now my my sarcastic mind's at, at play here. You didn't like the Force Awakens because it was a complete reboot and a rehash of right. Star Wars: A New Hope, but you were okay with <clears throat> Star Trek doing the exact same Wrath of Khan with yes, because, different people because Star Wars: Yeah, The Force Awakens was not an alternate universe take on okay. this storyline. It was a continuation but just rehashed ideas. This is saying, hey, here's an alternate universe. We're showing you an alternate way that these characters still meet up, that the, the idea that fate through every universe still brings the same people together in some ways, even under different conditions, to me, worked. And Star Trek has always been more about alternate realities, time travel, all those scientific, heady ideas, where Star Wars has always been a space opera-driven storyline that moved straight along and showed the evolution of characters. So my question is, <clears throat> if Star Wars had done that would you have been better with the force awakens like if they had done if it was an alternate universe like an alternate take universe yeah it take. wasn't a sequel i probably would have been interested to see what they did with it but then like you said it's to me it was not to me it was it was lazy okay it was just it this was a point of saying hey we're definitely we're retelling con right but differently that was the point of it force awakens was supposed to be hey we're finally getting this sequel to find out what happened 30 years later and we find out that 30 years later everything happens again yeah okay. and that was my problem was it was not it was, was not an intentional alternate was. reality take. That's to me. Yeah. It was that was that's the difference. And yeah, I understand what people. But I knew going into it, we were probably getting a Star Trek II Wrath of Khan retell. I, right. I knew even though they said no, there's no Khan and this and that. I'm like, they're doing Khan. Of course yeah. they are. And that's sure enough what they did. I liked the action in it. I didn't mind the story. And I thought I liked Benedict Cumberbatch as the character. I thought the whole thing was done pretty interestingly. I've seen it again recently on TV, and I found I still enjoyed it as much as I thought I did. But then you get to three, beyond. <clears throat> there's no amazing new interesting race that we're introduced to i mean this was not a reboot this was not the search for spock over again this was a new story so like okay we're giving you a new story now the, the girl who's on the planet what race was she she's i don't remember the name i don't remember the but we got introduced to them we right? did like, we did okay, but so again just... they're not memorable to me it wasn't okay. it wasn't this and there was nothing about them that made me go wow that's a cool alien race that's I got this neat, unique okay. style or 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 you know uh, they've got this culture that does this amazing, cool thing, and that's part of the story. And right. to me, there was nothing super, super interesting about it. And it was just kind of a blah movie. The characters did great. They all played their roles well. I remember that I laughed a bunch because there was good humor in it and stuff right. like that. But I came out of it going, I'm kind of hard-pressed to remember what, what did the villain want? What was the point? Do you remember? The villain was trying to, well, he was enslaving everybody onto that planet so that he could... Um, and trap them and enslave them to do what he wanted them to do. 
you wanted to get out the planet, and the only way you could do it is to get all the technology <laughs> he could to get rebuild his ship to right. get off. Right. right. And so then, he but he also had there. that super powerful flight of drone things yeah. that were able to get off the planet anyway, right at the beginning before the Enterprise even came down because they destroyed the Enterprise. Right. So couldn't he already get off the planet? Nah, himself, no. Right, he could only he, do he, it through the, the tech. Dr- the drones could go off. Right, but, but he, he couldn't. Right. So that's, I mean, to me that's just this kind of wishy-washy, I want something, I want a universe-threatening and, whatever. And, and the problem I had with that part was he was part of Starfleet before Starfleet even became... Starfleet. Right. Right. I'm kind of remembering those things now. But, but back, back in uh, Enterprise's day. <clears throat> right. And he had a, a chamber or something where he kept taking the life force from someone else to stay alive. Right. So it, it, it didn't seem to me to have the big ideas it needed to be its own thing. That was the problem. I think it fell into a, a wishy-washy area. G- Gary, why do you think Beyond fell short? Because a lot of the same problem with uh, the Last Jedi when it came out, and then Solo came out, and no one went and seen Solos because they were pissed off at the fir- the movie before <laughs> that's, it. That's kind of what I thought too, you know? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, the Wrath of Khan remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it. I understand Eric's points that he says about it. I can look at it that way and say okay, but at the same time, it was still the Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And. You got a whole new reboot of the whole whole thing. It's like, why why do you have to go back to the old stories and, and redo it? And I will agree that even though I said I liked the movie, I do wish they had told a unique story. I wish they instead had said, hey, we have this new universe. Let's go explore, and right. explore tons of new stories. We came up with tons of new stories with Next Generation that were interesting. Yeah. And we came up with tons of new stories for all these shows. You think we can come up with a movie? No, they retold a story. And I do agree with that. Right. And, and they, they could have used Khan... <laughs> And his eugenics uh, experimental people that he's got to, you know, and, and the Federation could work together instead of being against one another. I mean, yeah, how cool would that have been if, if it was a Khan-Kirk team-up and right. Khan, was, Khan wasn't a bad guy. Right. That's what I was kind of, like some sort of change-up in, in the storyline. You know, have, have the guy that had the dreadnought be the bad guy and working with the Klingons or something to... I was kind of hoping you know. the girl would end up becoming the bad guy, like she was secretly the the one the white girl that. Oh, that, that, we're not talking about Bian. I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about Khan. Okay, sorry. The, yeah. Into darkness. Into darkness. So, my issue with Into Dark or Beyond was that it felt like a Star Trek: The Next Generation episode. The whole movie did. Yeah. Which, if you liked the Next Generation, played to you. Like I, the fan, the the fans I know that were like me and liked Star Trek: The Next Generation. Loved that movie. They they liked it because it very much felt like an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. If that wasn't your like, you grew up with the original Trek, or you liked Enterprise better, or you liked Discovery better, or you liked any other show, Deep Space Nine, whatever, then that wasn't your cup of tea because it was very much directed to feel like a Next Generation episode. Well, and I, if you go back to it thinking that way, then it kind of comes right. across. Well, that I'm, way. I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Bob. Okay, I liked Enterprise. <laughs> you mean Next Generation? No. Enterprise. Oh, you liked Enterprise. No, I know. Yeah, with Captain Archer and all that. Yeah. Well, you you and I are an, um, an anomaly. I liked Enterprise. I liked Next Generation. And a lot of times in the Star Trek world, it's one or the other. I, I, you know I, what I mean? I, in a Star Trek world, it's really weird. It's almost like most people are either on one boat or the other boat, but they I, rarely fall in between. I, I, I like Next Generation, but I didn't love it. 
Really? Okay. All right. <clears throat> see, I watched. See, I love to me Next that, Generation. I was watching Next Generation live when it was on. Yeah, as me in, too. It was must see TV well, yeah. was. every week. It oh, was. Yeah. I had to. I had to be there and yeah. catch it. It, it, it was with <laughs> me too, but it wasn't. Uh, it, it, the, re, the, the reruns, reruns come on right now. I don't watch the Next Generation. Well, it's horribly dated. Oh, right. that's absolutely! You got to really yeah. enjoy the characters and the, the nostalgia. 90s dated, but then again, yeah. the original Star Trek series is horribly Very dated, dated yeah. so you got to well, enjoy the well, nostalgia. Well, that's the thing. I, I watch the original series whenever it's on. I even go to Netflix and watch it occasionally, yeah. and I do the same thing with Enterprise. I can watch the whole episode, the whole season of I'll give you the that. whole series of Enterprise, Enterprise and watch it, watch yeah. it again. It, it never gets old for See, me. I've never seen Enterprise all the way through. How about Voyager? What did you guys all think of Voyager? I didn't care for it. It didn't hold me. I, I think I watched it pretty strongly for the first season, and then after that, I just kind of That's the really weird off. thing. I've yet to find anybody that's like, I loved Voyager. Like, I have no fans that I know of. That Which is like what's weird is because into that show. the storyline of it is the, is the most kind of true to the original idea right. of the continuing mission, of the being everywhere in strange new worlds. Right. They, they were trapped. I think what hurt the series was... There was no other Federation intrigue. There was right. no other connection. You felt isolated. Right. So after you're watching it for a while, you're like, this is neat. It's like the original Star Trek. And then you're like, oh, I'm never going to see anything about the rest of the Federation. And it's like, and that's really it's weird just this. That's what I felt fell short on the first two seasons of Deep Space Nine, was there wasn't enough of a connection to <clears throat> right, right. Starfleet in any way, shape, or form. And I get that people were, it was supposed to be a distant station. And yeah. But, I mean, there needed to be some connection, and there wasn't. By season three, when they finally started, like, hey, the Enterprise showed up, and a couple other ships that we knew showed up, the Defiant gets built and, and used, then all of a sudden I was like, all right, now this show's cool. And that's the weird thing. I really do think that's the problem with Star Trek, is when you get into it, it almost has to have that connection to Starfleet in right. some way, or you're just not into it. Well, there was... Like one or two seasons in the middle of of Deep Space Nine, like when they really kicked in with the Gem Hadar, yeah, that I felt it was the best Star Trek I'd seen on TV. Mm-hmm. Anything over Enterprise, anything over that Next was Generation. The last there three was a, seasons of Deep Space Nine. There was a so, couple. There yeah. was a segment of Deep Space Nine that to me became the absolute best of Star Trek. It yep. was just unbelievable storytelling. I had to watch it. I remember at the time. I was working second shift, yeah. so I could only catch it as like a repeat play after midnight on Sundays right. when they do that second showing they did. Uh-huh. But I made and I had no way of taping it, no DVRs back then, nothing right. like it didn't that. Exist. <clears throat> I came home and I watched that sucker religiously. That was like my time, and yeah. I loved that show. I just thought at that point it was great storytelling. So the interesting thing is, we all kind of agree that Beyond <laughs> did fall short. You know, even though we're all over the map about why it did fall short. I <laughs> but, mean, but but I like the. Bien. I, I didn't hate it. Be, be, because of the connection to Enterprise. I agree with you there. I didn't hate it. There were a lot of little taglines and stuff in there that, that reminded me of Enterprise, and I, I liked that. <clears throat> now, what about the fact that Star Trek Forest director moved on? Do you think that was an awful thing? Like, could they have done the next... Well, directors are interchangeable. Uh, I mean, great. until the movie comes out, people almost don't care who the director is, unless it's a, such a huge name that's like a Spielberg or a draw or a, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, hey, Cameron's doing this, or... It, it's there are people who are fans of the director and it'll certainly appeal to their fan base, but it doesn't make or break to me the movie. If another director came along, oh well, you know it's. I mean, look at look at Solo being changed over to Ron Howard and right. And I think Ron Howard did a pretty good darn good job. And I, well, I do too. But uh, so I don't think the loss was huge in the terms of the fan opinion, but it probably was huge in terms of the timeline because it's kind of hard to bring somebody else in like that. And keep this momentum going, 
because if a, if a drop off happens like that and people question why, sometimes if there's if there's not enough stake behind it to get the thing made, like Solo, they were in the middle of making it. They had to finish it, so they weren't going to just stop. This wasn't being made yet. And if you lose a director, I think a momentum can get lost behind the scenes where some people kind of question how hard do we want to push on this thing right now? We haven't done, you know, all the money's not spent yet. Do we want right. to spend it? And I think that slows them down. So let me ask you this question. Do you think, had, had it not been for Star Trek, would J.J. Abrams have been tapped on to do Star Wars? I think so. I, I still think he would have. You still think he would have been tapped yeah. on to do Star Wars? I do. Okay. I mean, he made it, made it clear that even when he did the reboot of Star Trek, that he's more of a Star Wars guy. He, oh, yeah, he, he said did. that yep. in interviews, which was like, oh, geez, you're directing Star Trek. Don't say really? that. Don't. <laughs> and, and he did take Steven Spielberg's 8mm films and made the 8mm. True. Right. Um, and Spielberg is best friends with George Lucas. So yeah. that, I, mean, Abrams, I guess that's yeah. true. Abrams was already a big name. Yeah. And I think, I think he could have he easily been still tapped to do... I was just curious if you guys it. thought that maybe that had an influence or not. I never thought it did, but I was just curious what your thoughts were. I, I don't know if the director would have had a... I mean, a big impact for me, and that's the weird thing. I think Disney thinks, at times, I think some of these companies, Disney's Paramount, and all these people think we put a lot of weight on the director. I, I, as long as there's good storytelling, I my my weight on the director is kind of lighthearted, to be honest <coughs> with you. It, yeah. Well, as long as there's a good story, I think the director has something to work with. Well, if you have the, the you could have the best story out there, but the director trashes it. It's good. I guess that's true, you but know, I, I also think it's the other way around. If you have a director doing an amazing direction job and they've got an awful story behind it that also doesn't help you know what i mean like yeah <coughs> both but but, but they I, work in tangent with each other I but, think. But, but i think just this the one director just uh, ha- looks at it and oh i don't like this idea so we'll do it this way i get it and then it's, it ruins and and truly even horrible movies with bad editing and only so-so directors can be saved in the editing right they always say sometimes a movie is made or broken in the <coughs> editing booth so what do you guys think of the idea that one of the things that was a nail in the coffin is that Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth both backed out? That's the big one. See, to me, that's the one it was I like, feel like these others are kind of fillers that, around yeah, that. <laughs> it was kind of like nail in the coffin moment. It was like, yep, there it is. Right what there, I heard ding, is it ding. wasn't, it was contract negotiations. It was amounts of money. Right. You know, Chris Pine has gotten to be much bigger than he was when he first was hired. I don't sure. remember hearing much about him when he first became Kirk. I mean, nope. I think I knew of, of him somewhat, but... Now he was he's a, a big kind name. of a know nothing actor. To yeah, be now he's a big name. He's in tons of stuff. He's got tons of other gigs. I was gonna say he's got so many gigs between Wonder Woman and all these other things he's involved in. I mean, I really well, he's in a couple TV shows that I know oh yeah, of too. he's in a few. That and one, the one's going to come out. The night for, comes for us or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the, about the Black Dahlia. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a big deal. Um, I, I actually think he that, played the King of Scotland in that yeah. movie that's out re- in Netflix. Yeah. I think it's on. I, I actually think that uh, it wasn't the fact that he wanted more money. I think he's doing Wonder Woman. And then this other project came up for TNT, and he wanted to do that and not do Star Trek yet. That's what I'm thinking more so than anything else. I also wonder if if part of his motivation is he got stuck as Captain Kirk, right? And and I think, yeah, and this is an actor's <clears throat> worry always, right? Yeah, typecast. You get typecasted, right? And look at look at Shatner, and I with some love, Shatner was lucky. He was able to get into some other projects, like yeah. he got into T.J. Hooker and, but he Rescue never. Rescue nine one one. Re, yeah, Rescue nine one one. But he never really had anything. Rescue nine one one. Never had anything huge after Star Trek. Think about it. I mean, like ultimately. Well, he's known for. They Kirk. were kind of smaller roles, right? I mean, he's known as. Mm-hmm. And then you look at other actors. There's very few Star Trek actors that have breakout moments. Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. Give you. Patrick Stewart. Has... Patrick Stewart. But <coughs> Patrick Stewart had a massive career before. <laughs> 
Which well, I yeah. didn't really set him up for the massive career after. Yeah, yeah. The problem was most of the people who who broke into Star Trek, Jonathan Frakes is always the first one I would think of, never really get much beyond that. Well, you not acting-wise. I mean? He went on to direct a lot yeah. of stuff. He did direct, yeah. but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, as far as acting is like, concerned. Like Brent Spiner. Right. I mean, like, he's what He's typecast he as Data for his life. I mean, even right. though he's been in, like, he's been in a number of movies. I mean, sure. he was in, but he's always kind of played the scientist <clears throat> role. Right. You know, that whole smart guy role is what he's kind of typecast as. He was that in that John Travolta mu- movie where he could move objects with his mind. The, oh, what um, was it called? Phenomenon. Phenomenon. Phenomenon, yeah. He was at, yeah. He was in Phenomenon. He was in, uh, he was in Independence Day. Independence Day as the mad scientist right. again. You know, he kind of had those roles over and over again. So he's been in some things, but he's never had a big role where he's a star. I'll agree with you. I, and, you know, to me, these are all examples of how it could be career killing yeah. to have these things going it's, on. And that's the same with Star Wars is people right. are afraid of it's like, yeah, I want to be cast in Star Wars, but oh, I don't want to be typecast in Star Wars. Right. So it's always one of those things they're terrified of. of that's that's it. Right. Not that's it. That ends your career. Else. It's yeah. kind of like uh, Avengers too. I think that that's a worry of the Avengers. Most of the Avengers cast are established actors. Oh, they are. I mean, the only one who who wasn't huge, but he'd still done a ton, was Chris Hemsworth. I mean, yeah. Mark Ruffalo had been acting forever. Yeah, that's true. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> we thought his career was over. Oh, we thought, yeah, he, he was back. at the end of his. Yeah. Chris Evans has done tons, and he's going to continue to do tons. I think actually, Captain America helped him more. It, than oh, anything. it did. Yeah. I'm sure it did. Scarlett Johansson, it, she has all the acting roles she could want, and she's going to keep you, getting them. Do you think she would be as big as she is right now? Though without she was huge before she oh, got yeah, cast. She was yeah. big. I she mean, big. I just don't know if she was like blow up big. You know what I mean? But now I kind of feel like. Anything she's in, people are going to flock yeah. to. I mean, all their careers have grown. But you got to remember, they've been in these roles for eight to ten years. Right, and they've done saying. other things beside right. as other movies along with these. So they've kind of grown not just because of Avengers. Right. The, like I said, the only one I think that was really, really kind of not known was Chris Hemsworth coming in. True. He had done you know, a bunch of things, but he wasn't a big name. But he's <laughs> doing enough showing his comedic side. That he is going to be fine. He is not going to be typecast as Thor. He is, he is going to have a career, no problem. No, that he's just Chris Hemsworth. Take his shirt off and he wins. Well, people, well, people just love him. He's funny though. The yeah, guy's he, a funny no, guy. No, he's funny it, too. It, it, I know. He, I'm just he, saying. He's just a hot guy. That's all. That's what I'm saying. He's the hot guy in the corner. Take his shirt off. You win. <laughs> so right. I do think that the two of them not being in it, Hemsworth, they could have lived without because could they retool the story maybe right, sure. or get you know replace him as an actor to be his dad and get someone else? Sure, but losing Pine, Pine would have been huge. I mean, that's losing your captain. That's that's equivalent to. Not having William Shatner, that's equivalent to not having Jean-Luc Picard. I mean, like, you, there's no way you could pull any Star well, especially because off without the captain. The entire plot of the story was centered around Kirk meeting his dad. That right. was the script that, was that the had script. been written. Right. So it's kind of hard to say, ooh, we lose both the leads. Right, right. <laughs> so that's why I think, that's the main reason why I think it got shelled. Now, what do you guys think about this idea that Tarantino may be working on a script for Star Trek? I've been hearing about this for about a year and a half now. I, I would love to see it. He's apparently a huge fan. He wants to do something a little different in the universe, not play with the major characters as far as I know. I'm all for seeing another movie in that universe told by a different point of view. I I have mixed feelings about Tarantino. There's some Tarantino films I love, and then to be honest with you, there are a lot of Tarantino films I hate. Oh, there's some, yeah. There are are a lot of ones. Okay, it's always interesting. Which are the ones you hate? The ones I hate? Like, what, what haven't you enjoyed? The one he wrote where they were all out in a cabin in the middle of the nowhere. Hateful the Hateful Eight. Did not like that. Okay. Watched it I'll several be honest. T- I have not seen it yet. Watched it several times to see if I like missed something. Was there something? You know, 
No, it's just a gore fest. It's, okay. Like, how could you blow people up in different ways and, and still get away with it, right? Well, I haven't seen it yet, so don't tell me too much. <laughs> that's Tarantino anyway, so... Well, I yeah. know, and okay. it, that's, I guess that's my <laughs> issue, you know what I mean? Like, that's part of my problem. So I wasn't a huge fan of that. I was not a huge fan of Django Unchained. I, I, I watched enjoyed that. that. I, I watched that, that several times trying to figure out what it was that people saw in that movie. Still don't get it. I kind of got... I got a kick out of that one. I, I just wasn't a fan. Kill Bill... Liked the first one, hated the second oh, one. Oh, see, I was the opposite. I thought the first one was a little too slow, and I thought it really found itself in the second one. See, I liked the story in the first one. I mean, I'll give it with, with the action, as far as the action is concerned, I will give you that. But I thought the story in the first one was much better told than in the second one. And then, you know, and then I loved the whole, I mean, to me, if you want to talk about Tarantino at his best, the Desperado series, I think. He didn't do Desperado. I thought he directed those. That's Robert Rodriguez. Oh, damn. Okay. So then I don't like anything Tarantino, <laughs> quite honestly. No, then I... You then, don't like the original stuff, like Reservoir Dogs, no. Pulp Fiction? No. Oh, my God. I think those are some of the best movies. No, I don't get Pulp Fiction. Everybody who's, like, enthralled with that movie, I don't get it. Um, I've watched it several times. I don't think I can day. be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, I just... I don't understand why people were enthralled with Pulp Fiction. I don't know. Maybe I'm just missing something. Uh, I don't from, get it. From Dust to Dawn... Well, he wrote that, but he didn't direct he that. He didn't direct that, right? So... He was in it. He was in it, and he wrote it. And so, I kind of, I, so, so I hated it's, it. It's his movie. The first time I saw it, I didn't enjoy it. Now I kind of get it more. It was, I, I went in expecting See, a Tarantino I, movie that was smarter. And no, he was yeah. totally trying to write a B See, movie. See, no, I liked From Dust Till Dawn. I was okay with that one. But I thought he was in Desperado, right? Wasn't he in it? No. I'm pretty sure he was. <laughs> that, I think, yeah, he was, I think so was, he was produced. Pick, he, he was the pickup guy. He was the pickup guy. Oh, he was that's in right. It. He was in it briefly. Yeah. Briefly. He's his friend. He's one of the friends of, of the, the guy with the machine gun case. I think. Yeah. yeah it was, it wasn't one, a huge role. He's the one with the rocket, I think, if I remember correctly. The rocket case. No, no. that's those. His buddies that show up are both Mexican. Okay. But I... Okay. But he's in it. I, I remember that much. And I was pretty sure that he played a major role in at least getting it out there. I, he's not even listed it. as a producer, though. Not even listed as a producer, I guess. Wow. I always thought Tarantino was heavily involved in that. So, yeah. I got a problem with Tarantino. <laughs> I, uh, I like Pulp, pulp Fiction. Do you like Reservoir Dogs? See, I really when that movie came out and I saw it for the first time, I'm like, wow, this is impressive. I, Just his his because that was one of the first ones where we ever saw the mixed up timeline and the the reveal of things first thing like in the movie that yeah. then you find out later what's going yeah. on and and the music that he, his musical choices were great. I've always thought his soundtracks are amazing. I, I haven't seen it all the way through yet. Really? Oh, um, that's the movie where you got to just sit um, and see it. It's, I think it's so good. The Kill Bill series, I like both both parts. Planet Terror. Well, that was Rodriguez. Planet Terror. He still wrote it. He, he did the or other you, half. Yeah, he the did half, the, yeah. the uh, well. The, when I when I say Planet Terror, uh, yeah. He, right. he, what what the heck was the name of it? It was uh, Planet Terror, and because I liked it, it's very wordy, but I I grew to like it because it feels so much like a road grindhouse movie. Yeah, it's the, it's the, very the grindhouse, the whole grindhouse thing. The grind, I like, yeah, I, like, I liked it. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of what the death proof, death proof. Yeah, I kept wanting to say drive proof, death proof. Yeah, I like death proof. It, it's very I, wordy, yeah. but it worked for me. For what it was, and they, and if you watch it, they both coincide with each other too. Right, they do cross over a bit. Yes, I guess that's just my problem. Is that so far, there's uh, here's my issue. Like some of the like Reservoir Dogs, I'm okay with Reservoir Dogs. I I, I got the movie, understood it, it made sense to me, but it, it didn't have one of those like. It didn't stay in my head. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's not one of those films that stuck with me. I was like, man, I will totally remember that movie forever. I don't know. When I when I look at what he's done, there's nothing that kind of sticks in my head and go, yeah, I remember that. Totally and Glorious Bastards I like, too. Oh, that was, yeah. See, now I really I, like that I'm movie. actually okay with that one, with all of the ones that I've seen on this list here that we're looking at. 
we're on IMDb, that's probably the one that <clears throat> I'm actually okay with. Right. Natural Born Killers, I didn't mind that movie. Yeah, the thing is, he hated it. He really? wrote he it, did? and then he didn't like how it was directed. Thing, the one thing I liked. Because the director was someone, you know, another person. With somebody else, and right? I can't, but someone famous. Uh, just, it was, was it Scorsese? No, it wasn't Scorsese. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Stone. I knew it was one of those big ones. And it was, he didn't like the way Oliver Stone decided to just completely take the story, which was one thing, and tell it really weird and different. He didn't like that. You see, I've never seen Jackie Brown. Everybody keeps saying I should watch that. Um, that okay. one's okay. It feels kind of like Pulp Fiction light. Okay. It just doesn't feel as involved or as engrossing, right. and it's kind of similar. It, it reminded me of an old Shaft episode. Yeah, I think that's what he was going for. <laughs> so maybe that's my problem, but anyway. Right. So we've gone off on a big I, I'm not, Tarantino tangent. I'm not a tangent. huge Tarantino fan, so the idea of him having Star Trek worries me a little bit. My only concern with him getting a Star Trek show or movie, would he, would he use the gore? You know what I mean? Like, to me... That's Tarantino, right? Like the the out over the top, way over the the edge gore. I've yet to see a film he doesn't use it in. And does Star Trek really? You know what I mean? Like, is that really the proper right. place to put that in? I don't. I don't think it is. It's not the place to do it. Fan or not, I, that's my concern. It would be kind of like handing over Star Trek to. I don't know who's the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas. Tim Burton. Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. You get what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden it would become a dark Star Trek, you know? And it would, I don't know. It would be a weird well, you combination. Gu- you can guarantee two actors that are going to be in it. Well, yeah, you would. You would definitely get J- Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp and uh, what's the girl <laughs> that's always with him? Helen Bonham Carter. Carter. Yeah, Helen Bonham Carter. Yeah. <laughs> Just like if it's Tarantino that does Star Trek, we'll probably get um, Mike, Michael Madsen. <laughs> yeah, Danny Trejo. Danny yeah, Trejo sure. might appear in it. What's her name there? Uh, Selma Hayek? No. Well, yeah, she could. probably Antonio Banderas. <laughs> again, that's that's again. Would. Those are more Robert Rodriguez, though. They're, yeah, still. So um, they all work with each other. I'm thinking Uma Thurman. Yeah, yeah. yeah Uma Thurman. <laughs> he puts her in a lot of stuff. I could totally see Danny Trejo playing the role of Guinan. You know, like, <laughs> hey, baby, come on, have a beer. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be Travolta as the captain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, that would be funny. <laughs> I think we should go left. <laughs> Same Jackson as fuck. <laughs> Someone's been messing with my mother effing buttons. <laughs> Time to give you a motherfucking <laughs> mind meld. <laughs> Someone get these MF and Klingons off my MF and Starship. <laughs> All right, so what do you guys think? This is a good idea that Star Trek Four got canceled, or, or it didn't sound shelled. like it was going anywhere. I agree it with you. It just sounded like it was running a dead end and they decided to shell it. I think they're better off at this point not doing anything than doing something and being regretful of it later. Yeah. Just ask Star Wars about that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and I think it, after Pine does his... Vanity Projects? Oh, you know, Vanity Projects <laughs> is human interest stories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think he might regret it later? He, he might come back to it. You think so? Oh, yeah. I mean, give it three or four years, and he could come around and be like, okay, I'm ready to do another big, yeah. big thing. You know, when, when, when something tanks big time on him. Yeah, then he'll come back to Star yeah. Trek. I get it. All right, so our next story we want to talk need, about. That segment's going to need to be heavily edited, because that's a half hour on Star Trek. I'm not worried about <laughs> it. Are you? I'm not worried. Okay, our next segment, we're going to talk about the fact that Disney has decided to reorder up Star Wars Resistance. And there you go, that's For the story. a second season. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to ask you guys a general question. Based on what we've seen up until now, remember, we're only about six or seven episodes in for Star Wars Resistance. Is it worth a second season? No. (laughs) Right now, no. But it must get really good. 
in the second half if they already decided to go with it. But we I, hope, right? I mean, like, or they've got pictures of Disney execs in compromising <laughs> positions, and they're like, "Give us a second season." Or they've got really good pictures of certain individuals in the Star Wars Resistance. In con- no, sorry, <laughs> that's also inappropriate. Uh, Gary, go ahead. At first, I say no. But then I'm looking at it like, well, I get a good half hour sleep. <laughs> so it might be good. So you're still going to continue yours based on pillows, how many pillows yeah. it's worth? Yeah. Yep. yeah. I mean, part of me sitting here saying this is a premature jump at a show that, quite honestly, I don't think... Have you noticed there's been no ratings talks about Star Wars Resistance? I haven't heard a lot about it. And the people I know that are even huge Star Wars fans, we're talking... Uh, like Disney, diehard yeah, bands, like yeah. like go to the rides regulars right. and attend celebrations and every time someone says a negative thing about Last Jedi, they're all over them going, "It's fantastic, Star Wars, this that." They've been like, "This Resistance isn't going anywhere," and I'm bored. Yeah. And I'm like, "If they're saying that, it's sad ooh. that even the kids are saying they kind of feel like Resistance isn't doing it for them." I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's who it's marketed to." So yeah. even if kids are like. It's not working out right then. It, Something's it, not good. Well, what, one of the things I can say is it goes to show them that you just can't do a Star Wars show with nothing to do with Star Wars. Well, I, 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 well more importantly, Gary, I think it, it proves that you can't just st- slap the Star Wars name on something and assume it's automatically going to make money and be, right. be a fun thing. I think that's the, the, the rule here. My fear is that Disney hasn't learned that yet. <laughs> And so they're ordering up the second season without looking at numbers and are going, eh. Part of me sitting here saying they don't have to care either, though, because here's the deal. They're going to open their streaming app with all these amazing other things, and Resistance is just going to be a cherry on top of the pie, on top of the cake, on top of the gigantic cookie cake that they've got going on, right? That's one hell of a dessert. Right? Like, it's huge. But, I mean, like, quite honestly, they don't have to care about Resistance. I mean, are are they thinking, we just need more content? Well, that's what I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, right. I mean, like, listen, if you got to open up your streaming service, which they're doing next year, they've got to do something that'll... Or this year. Bridge the gap. Is well, this it's, well, it's supposed to be end of 2019, early 2020. But there's <laughs> got to be something to bridge that gap, right? So why not have, like, the season finale of season two resistance on your streaming service? Yeah, it's like, hey, you, you got to go to our see, streaming see, service to see, how to see the rest how it... Yeah, that's, you see, that's where that'd I'm... Be, that'd be mean. That'd be mean, I, but I, it would... Come on, how else are you going to get people to jump over to it? Yeah. And then imagine kids going to parents, going, Mommy, 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 I go to, we need to see the end of Resistance. We need to get this app. That yeah, but from what we've seen, I don't think there's a lot of kids doing that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I just think it's early to jump on a season two yet. I mean, we haven't even gotten the second half of season one. Right, right. And that's what I'm saying. But, like, But Disney execs have probably seen the entire second half of season one. True. They know where it goes, they know how it ends. Maybe they know something we don't. I hope, because if it keeps going the way it is, yawner. Okay, our next topic. <laughs> Half hour on Star Trek, and two, two minutes, minutes on, on resistance. resistance. So our next topic, it was announced over the break, over the holiday break. That's right, we took some time off for the holidays, just like you do. We uh, found out that IG-88 is definitely on for Star Wars The Mandalorian. It is confirmed <laughs> that IG-88 will be in Star Wars Mandalorian. What do you guys think of this idea? That is IG-88. And actually, John Favreau put out a picture of IG-88 and what he's going to look like in the show. I'll try to bring that up on the screen for our YouTubers. Uh, what do you guys think of having IG-88 in the TV show? Well, for one thing, in terms of pure live-action canon, we've not even seen this guy move. Right. We've just right. seen him standing there. <laughs> 
We've just seen him standing there. So what we're going to see is that he's going to be a bartender. (laughs) You think that's what it is? I think well, it's this actually going to be. This a, is long. Remember, this is long after Star Wars ends. Right. We never caught Solo. We never know what he did. Right. So the fact that this is not um, a, a, an IG model, it's IG eighty eight. Right. They're saying specifically it's him. Right. And, and I had thought that uh, Boba Fett destroyed him. Where though? And huh? what was that in? Yeah. It was in a book, right? right. That was previously so been, erased yeah. canon. Legacy series yeah. that's been erased, yeah. So, yeah. They, I think they could do some interesting stuff with him, but depends on... I mean, is he just going to be, oh, we see him in one half of one episode, and he gets blown up, and there you go, IGD. Right, so, so here's a quote, Gary, to kind of end that one right there. It says, the old-time bounty hunter isn't just standing around either. We've had credible reports about blasters being fired, and he's riding speeder bikes and attacking enemies. Now, one of the things you mentioned about John Favreau was he made, made amazing things come to life, right? Yeah, like oh animals God, and all yeah. this crazy. Could you imagine if he took that technology and applied it to a droid like IG-88? I mean, like that—that that could be impressive. I mean, I mean, I could see them doing the whole thing with a guy with the suit built to the front of him in green screen and a green suit, so he moves it, right? And That's then they simply just, you know, they and then they just use the background, yeah, and then obviously touch it up, but right, yeah, I uh, think there's a lot of stuff coming in this Mandalorian that's going to be must-see TV for me. No, I absolutely agree. And the more I'm seeing about it, the more I'm like, wow. You know, even Kathleen Kennedy had said, I couldn't be more excited about John coming on board. She's ready for the new platform. She says he brings the perfect mix of producing and writing talent. This is, like, to to me, already from what we're seeing, even just the little bits we're seeing in the set. So the look of the Mandalorian, I love. I like the look of the Mandalorian. IG-88, having him on the set, blasting, riding bikes, all that kind of... Yes, like, yes, 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 yes. These are all things that, like, we've been screaming about for years as Star Wars fans, like, we wanted to see. Part of me is like, okay, good, now we got IG-88. Let's bring all the rest of them in. Bring Bosk in. Bring in... Uh, Zuckus. Guy? Zuckus. The guy with the bandages. Dengar. Dengar. Why not bring all the, the bounty hunters in at some point here? Do you think all of this leads towards a Boba Fett-type thing happening? I mean, IG-88 and Boba Fett, they're pretty much, you know, like... Right. We kind of assume as Star Wars fans you see them together a lot, right? So the assumption is I, w- I wonder. I wonder if Boba Fett's alive. I still wonder if that's going to be a big reveal at the end of season two or something I was, Yeah, like I was going to say, know? at the end of one of these seasons, he he trots up, you know, and, like, maybe the Mandalorian gets all the or, Mandalorians back together, and then Boba shows even up to better, take him over. Right? You know how they end it. They Someone finds his helmet, and they're like, well, that's no big deal. And they're like, I didn't get it from the Sarlacc pit. Oh, yeah. There they you found go. it somewhere else, and he's out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So there's all sorts of crazy cool stuff that could totally happen. I would be excited about. What do you think, Gary? Good idea? Have an IG-88 here? I mean, like... Yeah, it's all right. It, it definitely gives a the main connection to the old uh, trilogy. Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say is more so than just, oh, hey, we're getting IG-88 as a character. Right. It really shows the feel they're going for for this series. Yep. It's it's not one of these, hey, we want to tell all sorts of new things that happen in the Star Wars universe. I get the feeling that Favreau's like... Look, we can tell new stories, but people want to see the, the universe characters they know. Familiar. Not yeah. even necessarily the characters, but the universe they're right. familiar with. We've right. really got to capture the feel that we're still in that universe and not off in some weird place doing things and just mentioning random Star Wars. They don't want Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. They don't want something that's like you mention stuff that happens, but it's not doesn't feel as connected. I think they really want something that feels like it's organically part of the Star Wars universe. This is the first time I can honestly say... I. I'm not worried about a Star Wars TV show because of who's producing and directing it because I think he's moving it in the right direction.
right, the last thing I want to talk about is the fan film that we watched tonight. It was a pretty spectacular fan film. It's titled Vader Episode 1, Shards of the Past, a Star Wars Theory fan film. Uh, you can go to YouTube and watch it. It's about a 20-minute, a little less than 20-minute fan film. It was... I mean, the best way I can describe it to anybody who has not watched it yet is it's impressive. Most impressive. impressive. I gotta say, uh, the thing that surprised me about the whole film is the quality that we saw. I mean, Theed and Naboo looked like Naboo and Theed. The scenes in the Star Destroyer looked like a bay of a Star Destroyer. There wasn't any cheap background sets. I do have to admit that the room they were in once we saw it in like the middle bland. section, it was yeah. bland. But bland. I mean, I was fine. The the costuming was great. The voice acting was great. Yeah. The characters they got, and you even brought up because Padme appears in this at one point. She looks, looks like Padme. the part. I mean, she's not obviously. It's clearly not uh, Natalie Portman. Thank you, right. Natalie Portman. I'm not thinking of anything tonight. It's clearly not Natalie Portman. But boy, is there a resemblance in the in the yeah. look in that outfit of hers. The only character that threw me off, the Anakin, was not quite anywhere near. The young Anakin that they oh yeah they they, they, he had like a, he had almost like a Luke Skywalker yeah, like a mop, haircut <laughs> mop top look and I was like well that one's a little off but, but I I got the what they were going it, for. yeah the rest of it I was okay with but that one was the one I was yeah. like Whoa. even the Emperor had a pretty good voice acting I mean he yeah. got he got a little off at points but for the most part I they what they did was they did enough accuracy in the costumes the sounds the characters and the sets that you never consciously said to yourself, I'm pulled out of the Star Wars universe. Right. You were invested. So then all they had to do was tell an interesting story, and they did. Well, and the fact that, and, you know, I, I don't want to blow the whole story, but the fact that the beginning is not what you think it is. So you see this beginning, and you're, like, watching this going, whoa, what is going on? And then you find out, nope, that's not what you thought it was. Yeah, I mean, it gives them a chance to really play a little bit with the characters of Vader yeah. and the Emperor and all that. They can kind of do these things, you're like, wow, I always wanted to see that, and I wondered what it would have been like, and now you're seeing it. And then they gave themselves an out to, to not have to be stuck to that. But it ties in. But the thing is, it all fits with the idea of the rule of two and right. the, the way the Sith is structured in terms of their hierarchy, and it, it all works. It ties into Vader's backstory and his emotional feelings and how he feels, and it works. It all just works. <laughs> How about the idea that they mentioned the 501st in there? I mean, that's obviously going to be a thing in the next episode, yeah. it sounds like. Either that or um, that was who we just heard get slaughtered. <laughs> right, maybe. maybe, maybe they're I already... think they could have been a little rag on the 501st. <laughs> <laughs> who, who do you think they were going after? Who he's going after? That's what I Well, that's Okay, so for the, who, those who, who have who, not who, watched who, it yet. Who's theory? Yeah, for those who have not watched it yet, skip ahead, I'd say, 15, 20 minutes in the, in the episode here. Yeah, so you we're, we're, we're going to kind of go spoilers here. Um, so yeah, I was about to ask, who do you think the Jedi is that they're talking about that has an amethyst lightsaber left? Who could it be? Who do you think it is? I know who you Gary, think who do you think it is? Mace Windu. I was going to say, one-armed Mace Windu. That's what he's going to say. You think it's a one-armed <laughs> yes. Mace Windu? Is amethyst purple? I'm trying yes. to remember. If you saw, if you looked in the, the hole, there was a purple glow. There was a purple blade. There was definitely a purple glow. And I'm kind of <laughs> leaning towards he could be right. Because they are saying this is a theory film. So their theory right, is that right. Mace Windu survived the fall and ran off and he's being hunted. He's right. trying to slaughter his way through the through the Empire in, in anger and they send Vader after him. And, and that would be a major disturbance in the forest, too. Uh, that's what and, they picked and, up. And, and he's the only one that knows that Palpatine is from Naboo. Oh, oh yeah. that's So where true. would he go to that, go that, after Because who else would know it other right. than Yoda? And But Yoda's in hiding. And Anakin, Anakin. who's there. Right. 
and I think the Windu. Right. Yeah. I think we're getting a Windu in the next I, episode. I, yeah. I was trying to think of like who I knew that had a purple lightsaber. I'm like, he's the only one. He's the only one that was like, ever given it, a purple lake. Right. Like, the only one in canon is... In is, canon. In canon, right? Yes. And wasn't that because... What's his he, face? he requested Sam it. Sam <laughs> Jackson made it, like, if I choose that color, that's the color. Yeah. And, and you want want to know why he wanted that purple one? No, why? So that when the Jedi battles are going on, he knows where he was at. Really? <laughs> yeah. stand out. He'd stand out from all the blue and greens. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, like, okay, so I agree with you. I mean, based on all those facts, it's got to be Mace Windu. Probably with a robotic arm. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, do it Darth Maul style, which would be cool. That would be kind of an interesting take. Um, but, I, you know, I was sitting here kind of racking my brain going, well, who could be left? Shock T's dead. This one's dead. That one's dead. The only one that came, other one that came to mind was Luminara Unduli's, um, what, Bears Ophi? Is that the one? Yeah. That, that was Ahsoka's, you know, underling. Right. And, and she was trained by... Mace Windu too, so right. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like it could be. Legends, you know, that might be a nice in, in little twist. Anyway. Right. That might be a little twist. That it's like it's like her with a purple lightsaber because she redid it. But um, yeah, it could be. But Mace Windu is the only one that knows that Vader is, is Anakin. Anakin. You're right. And uh, Palpatine or the yeah Sidious is Palpatine. Right. That's true. So. So that is kind of a, a well. Kind no, of I mean it's up. pretty. It's pretty obvious that Sidious is Palpatine to the general pop to the because he announced it. He basically stepped out in front of the whole Senate. Uh, I've been transformed. I'm damaged. I'm taking over. Yeah, but but he, he never revealed himself he, as a Darth, Senate, Darth though. Sidious though. Right. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. He right. Right. He okay. never actually came out and said, "I am Darth Sidious." Oh yeah, yeah. He, okay, yeah. Sorry, right. I'm, I'm thinking more just his look. But you're right. Yeah. Darth Sidious hides in the background and yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. He's pulling the strings in the background. So it's yeah. I get what you're saying. It almost has to be. Uh, what did you guys think of the costumes in this movie? Great. I think that was the most impressive part of it. As as a costumer, I'm looking at the whole thing going, <clears throat> there's not a single costume on there. I could totally rip on and be like, nope, that is no way. Yeah, that none of it pulled They were off. all, I well, mean, it, obviously they were 501st members. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously they got the 501st. I, I, you know, I have, there has to be 501st members. The the Darth Vader is actually very accurate. I'm, I'm impressed with whoever but did it, that. He's not the um, episode three I was about to say, he's not Vader. the Revenge of the Sith version. He's, and he's the Empire Strikes no, Back one, right? No, He's the Rogue One version. Is he the Rogue One version? It, it looks more like Rogue, Rogue One than uh, it does. Yeah, does. I have to go back and look at the details a little bit Because the, the eyes are kind of like sunk, sunk back sunk in, in yeah, 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 yeah. Which, I don't know if that's bad, though, because technically... He would be. It would fit in the timeline, right? right? Like, that would totally fit. They, they did a good job on that, yeah. in my opinion. Even the Emperor, I thought, was pretty good. I've, I've seen some bad Emperors in my day. And this one was actually fairly well put together. I was I was impressed with the. The only thing that, that pulled me out a little bit, when was not the shots like when he flew the. Uh, first of all, I found it was interesting that he didn't take a Tie Fighter, he flew a Jedi Starfighter. Yep. Well, Vader's ship, Nibiru. he Vader had a Jedi Starfighter modified for him, specifically. I actually have a, a miniature of it, it's, and it is the one with the ring and everything. It's, it's, it's black. It's, it's black, yeah, and right. it looks like the Jedi fighter. And that footage of him going to Naboo, showing up outside Naboo, landing, all that was good. The shots outside the Star Destroyer were the only thing that pulled me out a tiny bit, special effects-wise. Things moved a little too fast. It didn't oh, have what you're saying, it didn't yeah. have quite that level of polish that a typical. I'm talking purely from a special effects standpoint. Right, right. Those exterior shots in the movies are so well done. That if they don't nail that, you, you do lose a little bit there. But right. I mean, this is a nitpick. You see the outside for all of like three seconds. Yeah, of the whole film. ten seconds. It's not much. My only nitpick of the whole film is occasionally, and I don't know how it happened. The Emperor started to sound like Yoda. Oh yeah, his voice. <laughs> like he, dri- he drifted he, out of Emperor. Right. A little bit. He'd, he'd forget to have the glottal front side of it, and he'd drop into the back of his throat, which 
you know, that's how you do your days. Yeah. Back of your throat. And then so, like, there's not much difference from the front to the back. To the back. So it's like he would occasionally drop to the back of the in throat. The longer, I think it was in his longer sentences as he was running yeah, out of air. Yeah, like as he was it would go back trying to get throat. it out before he got to the end yeah. of the sentence. And uh, that was the only thing that kind of threw me off. But, I mean, other than that, it's an amazing film. And oh, I mean, yeah. Like, if you had not told Special me George good. Lucas had not direct, I, I would never have known. I mean, quite honestly, there's a lot in this that I'm like, wow. Even the Theed Palace itself, I want to know there where was they a went. Shot. There was a shot that was of a pan down the palace. I'm right. guaranteeing it was all, it was post-production special effect. It wasn't a real place. You think it was actually, because I think, I think they went to a, a place. I really do. I don't know, because I think Just they, I mean, those, like, those guys, I think, were all matted in to the shot. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But That's pretty, pretty good matting going yeah. on. That's there, what I think that's... it was good matting. But yeah, I think uh, that was a good shot. That whole opening in the Theed Palace where it panned yeah. down. You saw the interior. I was oh, like, the, yeah. I was impressed. They did not skimp by any no, means. No, not at all. So I'm 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 like curious about episode two now. Like I, I want to see it. I can't wait till it comes out. And um, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to get a hold of the people that, that yeah. run this. Now maybe we, we can find we, some info from them. We noticed something interesting about this, though. Yes. Go ahead, Eric. You you were the one that noticed it because I didn't. They catch don't it. list a director. There's no director. Most fan producers films... Producers and writers. There's producers, writers, and they kind of say that it was, like, done by the star... If you scroll down here, we're on YouTube looking at the credits. Yeah, hang on. They, they kind of start saying it was written Danny, by... Danny Ramirez gets all this, this credit for right. doing all this work. Written by Danny Ramirez, but if you scroll down, then it says Star Wars Theory. It's kind of just they're, they're crediting the... The group itself, in a way, you know what yeah. I mean. Star Wars theory. Oh wait, here it says Vader fan film at gmail.com Director Danny Ramirez. Okay, so they only kind of tuck in that he's the director in this one small spot. He's not. He doesn't have a big line item right. in the You're in right. the movie. It's and not. Stuff. It's not in the credits. And I feel like that's because this was a more group project. I almost feel like they they decided to approach this as a collective. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I think it turned out so good. Because you didn't have a single director going, I want to tell my own unique story in the Star Wars universe that shows that they like to collect trophies and put them in castles on a field, you know, like right, right, right. whatever they wanted to tell this unique thing that has nothing to do with Star Wars. This, this, these people were like, nope, we like Star Wars. We're going to do this as a collective. We're going to be true to the story and we're going to tuck it in right here and tell a little small story that happened after Revenge of the Sith, but before Star Wars. And that's our time period. And it even says, it gives an exact date. It's eight months after Anakin becomes Vader. Right. So they, they chose this little spot. They're telling a story. And, and I think I somebody think seriously thought it through too. Yeah. Like they, they thought it through pretty well. I just wonder how long we're going to have to wait until... Epi- two? Until episode two no, comes especially out, because one film, you never know. fan film, this first fan film only got released back on December twenty first, just a couple right. days before Christmas. Of this is not, yeah, yeah, this is not an old film. It's only like two, three weeks old. Yep. So Gary, was there anything in this one that kind of pulled you out or like threw you off a little, or no? Uh, <clears throat> just the the galaxy look at the planet Naboo and the moons and stuff. That, okay. That, Looks like it's a, a drawing more so than it was any real planet. Yeah, right. vector mm-hmm. graphics. Right. Yeah, I get it. But other than that, that was it, right? Yeah, that's the only thing. I mean, we are nitpicking the fine stuff. We are. Would you guys highly recommend this to anybody to watch? Yes, yes, I would. Immediately. I I think this is a a fan film series to follow. I would, too. That's why I want to kind of see if we can get a hold of the director. We'll try to. And see if maybe we can set something up where we can uh, talk, talk about him. this. I'd love to. We should Skype I'd love with to him. Ha- yeah, I'd love to have a discussion with him about this film because it was amazing. It was I'm sure he's amazing. being inundated right now with requests. I'm sure but. he is. <laughs> but we're the Galaxy Cast. We're awesome. I even love the shot they showed of uncostumed Vader. Yes, I actually that really nice liked touch. that. It was a nice touch, yes. Okay, so those were our thoughts on all four of those topics. So we're talking about why Star Trek Four got canceled. 
the reorder of Star Wars Resistance, the fact that IG-88 is going to be on Star Wars The Mandalorian, and the Star Wars fan film, Vader Episode One: Shards of the Past. We'd love to hear from you. Head over to our webcast, or our, our webcast, <laughs> to our, our website at www.galaxycast.com. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. And we will be right back after this break so that we can review the next episode of Star Wars Resistance. Or, for Gary, the inside of his eyelids. <laughs> We're going to get Gary a pillow. Exactly. Okay, folks, we'll be right back after the break. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. I thought I was marrying an Italian. Then through Ancestry.com, we discovered I'm actually only about 8% Italian and mostly English. Not just English, freaking royalty. Trace my roots back to King Charles II. That's when I started researching my own ancestry and found out that I'm a distant relative of, get this, his sister Mary. What a coincidence. We were family before we were family. It's kind of romantic. Uh, kind of. Just two generations later, our family the families was well removed from the throne. Those ancestors came to America. But all but two of them died in a common cold epidemic. Really bad immune systems on account of The surviving duo was an aunt and her nephew, Mildred and Gentry Malloy. At least they thought it was just the two of them. But just before they arrived, Aunt Mildred realized she was pregnant. A love story. Family making family. Be still my heart. Mm-hmm. Now, when we say aunt and nephew, realize this was another time. I mean, she was actually younger than him. So really more like uncle, Look, niece. the kid was Mildred and Gentry's only child. He grew up, moved west, had 17 kids with four wives, and that's when the family tree really starts to branch out. And I uncovered another surprise just before we came here. You know how we figured out that your dad's brother was put up for adoption? Mm-hmm. I found him. Turns out he's my mom's second cousin. Oh my god. Right? And we were always like, isn't it so crazy we have the same last name? <laughs> Technically, it's legal for cousins to marry in dozens of states. We're long lost cousins. <laughs> oh my god, I love our story. Let's have a kid. This is Weasel News. Los Santos traffic is so bad that one woman carpools with a dead body. What will it take for you to use public transit? Transit News. When police pulled over a car on the Del Perro freeway, they discovered a decomposing body in the passenger seat, which turned out to be the woman's dead husband. One witness on the scene told reporters, I looked over and the car was full of flies. The woman said she had every intention of burying the body soon, but she wanted a last few days in the carpool lane. The Los Santos Transportation Authority announced a new campaign to encourage people to take public transit. We know many of you feel that only losers take the bus or train in this town, and in many ways that's true. But what will it take for you to leave your car at home and take the bus? What do you want? On-time arrivals? Regular service? Strippers on the buses? Well, we're not doing any of that. The Transit Authority promised a new TV commercial that will turn things around. This was Weasel News. Nobody does Star Wars like the power of the Force from Kenner. The only universe with deluxe crowd-controlled stormtroopers with thruster pack and capture claw. Han Solo geared up with smuggler flight pack. 
and Luke Skywalker with Big Battle Action Desert Skiff. And only Kenner brings you the full force and big detail of the Rebel Snowspeeder with blazing laser lights. And big movie sounds. Now you're playing with the power. Star Wars, power of the force. Figures come with vehicles. Snowspeeder sold separately. Batteries not included. From Kenner. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we talk about the latest version of Star Wars Resistance that is to us. And this is Season 1, Episode 6, titled The Children from Tehar. You know, it's interesting, again, on this website here, TV Maze, they sum it up in one sentence. Cat searches for two missing children for a sizable reward, only to discover the First Order is also hunting for them. Good. We're done. That and is, thank you very much. We're done. That's pretty much the whole episode. Okay, we can leave now? Okay. <laughs> this was one of those weird episodes where, like, I wanted something to happen yet again. Like, they... Well, first of all, we'll go right from the beginning. It once again starts off with... Goofy. Goofy goofing up. What's it? Chaz? Chaz? Chaz. Chaz. Screwing up again, destroying some piece of valuable equipment. He's got to go and get it replaced with no money. How many times has he damaged something, lost something, has no money to replace it, has to beg, borrow, whatever, has to go see the people who are going to fix the thing to bring the thing back to fix the ship that's going to fly? We're, they're doing a lot of repetition here, and he keeps making the same mistakes, and he's not a likable character because he does stupid stuff. It's, it's not this endearing comedic trait to me. It's making him annoying. You know what I'm really kind of annoyed with? For all this racing that this platform's supposed to be doing... We've seen none of it. When do they race? Like, we've seen one race this whole time. And it was kind of a wimpy race, to be honest, at that. So, like, I, I don't get it. We keep working on these ships to what end? Like, to to for what? For what purpose? I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand what they're doing with that or, or why we're having these races or what role... I don't know. I, I just don't get it. I don't understand this mechanic race pilot thing that's going on i just yeah. don't get they, it they've they've done the whole storytelling through telling you not showing you where it's better when you can see the world working and right. you get the sense of how it's happening but instead they tell you they tell you there's races and a hierarchy and they're, they're verbally giving you all the information there's tons of scenes in this episode them going to the market doing all these things, why aren't these set against the backdrop of most people being in an audience watching a race while they go do their thing? Making the races happen in the background, getting the sense that they're they're 
they're occurring often. People aren't, you know, maybe they're getting away with what they're doing because people right. are busy watching the race. Show us that the race is at least going on in the background. Use that as your Use settings rather yeah. than just people walking around this platform. Yeah, But then you never see in the races. They, they can't do the races because they don't have any gas. Oh, yeah, it's fuel. All <laughs> it's this a fuel, fuel stuff. issue, yes. So long story short, we have these two children that end up on the station. They're from Tehar. And Cass is trying to hunt them down because he wants the reward money. 20,000 credits. To send them back. You know, did it not dawn on this character anywhere that there, there's a reward in these kids' heads for a reason? Like, what would that reason be? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he just jumps on, ah, it's 20,000 credits. I need to yeah. and go get His assumption is really? they're lost. His right. assumption is, oh, hey, those, these kids are somehow got separated from where they're supposed to be. And I'm doing a good deed. send them deal. back to their oh, yeah. parents. You I'm know doing I mean? a good like, deed. Really, if you get lost in the Star Wars universe, that means you end up on a wrong planet? How did that happen? Or better yet, if you get separated from your parents, there's going to be a bounty on your head to find you? Like, that part didn't make sense to me. I'm like, that's not viable. I don't know. It just didn't seem conceivable. And then again... It was inconceivable. This whole thing could even be that way. We had the worst ever MacGuffin coincidence happen with literally these kids have not been seen on this pl- platform or on this planet they could be anywhere in the friggin system right galaxy even who knows where they are what city are they at they could be on the same planet but on our city uh, think about what are the chances of people coming to earth and ending up right where you are right but yet alone they go wa- literally walking out onto the platform and bump into the kids right there they're there when they needed to be to pro- progress the story it right. was just so, so bizarre. unbelievably convenient for the story to work. There wasn't it wasn't even a hint that there was a reason they went to this platform. You know what I mean? It's like Did they uh, even tell us how they got to the platform? Well the, the kids? kids had stored away on a cargo vessel and sooner or later it must have done a drop off at the plant at the okay. platform is what I assume. What I assume along the way. They were talking about how they escaped their planet by storing on a cargo vessel. That's right. They didn't mention that, yeah. I assume that that br- eventually brought them here. What about the turtle creatures that we used? That I wish they were a little more Star Wars-y. They were too much just turtles. Yeah. I wish they had some other elements to their design that made them a bit more alien that resembled turtles. Same with the goat man. <laughs> right? Well, the goddle was supposed to be a goddle, but he was a goat man. And yeah, it, it, was, it was a bit too much of a goat man for me, you know. And I was like, okay, you know. I get it. Star Wars throws some of those characters up that are like that, but they also are very creative in some of their designs, usually. And in this case, none of the aliens were super unique. They were things we know, turtles and goats, just in space, talking. I felt like we missed an episode of Zootopia, you know, like the turtles should have been going, ah! (laughs) I like the slots. (laughs) Right, like I just, I don't know, there was... I didn't like the, the the turtle characters, and of course, Gary, you called them what teenage mutant ninja turtles. Ninja turtles. <laughs> like so they kind of like so they weren't teenage mutant ninja turtles. They were just sen- ninja turtles. They were yeah. senior alien engineer turtles. <laughs> yes, senior yes. alien engineer turtles. turtles. Senior alien engineer turtles. Turtle power. <laughs> I think we should turn that into something right there. <laughs> that needs to be a commercial. <laughs> senior alien engineer turtles. And give each one just a colored, like, you know, yeah. line across them. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So I, I just, I didn't like those characters at all. And that didn't help the story at all, either. And then we have the the First Order. And, you know, so you bring in Phasma, which, you know, everybody's supposed to get all excited about, ooh, Phasma's in this episode. 
And I was like, first off, she the only thing Phasma was the entire time was a hologram. hologram. Yeah. So okay, great. Phasma's in there as a hologram. And then we have this Commander Pyre, which I, I don't understand. If if Phasma's a captain and he's a commander, why would the captain have silver armor and the commander has gold armor? Because in space, silver is much more rare. Uh, right? Like I, I, it's not silver armor. It's space platinum. Oh, I get it. Okay, it, it's chrome. It's chrome. Is that Chro- chrome is more valuable than gold or silver? Okay. All right. Still not buying it, but okay. <laughs> so if she's chrome and he's a pyre, which is a type of fire, she's chrome and he's Firefox? I, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I Google and... I never even thought of that. That's a valid point. One of them's a Netscape. <laughs> right. One of them's going to have black armor. That's what it is. That's your Netscape. That's going to be Ask Jeeves. <laughs> with the black Ouch. armor. No, I thought that would be brown armor. <laughs> uh. So anyway, I, I just... I didn't understand the First Order in multiple ways. First off, that part of it I didn't understand. I didn't understand the fact that they get to the station. Look, there's the children. And they can't catch up. <laughs> Why don't they <laughs> stun the children right there on the platform? Like, look, there. I could have taken a gun, turned it around backwards, and thrown it and hit a child on the head. Faster. Faster than they tried to shoot at them. I don't... Like, yet again. And how you many times... blocking yeah. all the time, right? And how many times was there escape? Closing a door just in time. I think it happened right. three, three times. times they, we they just escaped. got that door closed. Yeah. Oh, we just got this door closed. Oh, we just got this door closed. These doors are blasterproof. That's what I was about to say. Then we get to the bottom door, and he's like, no worries. It's blasterproof. Really? Have you seen Star Wars? Like, have you ever watched? Like, from the beginning of the first Star Wars movie. Like, we go back to Phantom Menace. They're, blast- they're knocking doors open all the way back to A New Hope. They're blasting doors open in the Death Star. So do you think your little two-door system is any better than the platform on A New Hope, really? I mean, like, I just, I don't get that. I I did not. Okay, so we have the little uh, planned escape at the end where they jump off the platform into the water. Faking their deaths. Faking their deaths. What did you guys think of that? Was that a a cool way to end the episode? I didn't hate the plan. Okay. I thought it worked okay. I knew that's what they were going to basically do, was fake their deaths. Yeah. But visually, it kind of worked for me overall. The fact that they didn't just... It would have been worse, and I could have seen... I could see the way they do these things if they had done this, where the kids just vanished. Where they just went over the edge, and they look out, and they see the wall, and they're like, oh, I must have fallen to their deaths, and walked away. That was my fear. That was what they were going to do. But the <laughs> right. fact that they they Pull dropped out... Well, the fact that the kids dropped, and then you hear the splash. Okay. I'm like, okay, they dropped something. And when they come out and they see the water ripples, I'm like, that's more convincing. You'd think they fell the whole way, you know, and all that stuff. So it it was okay. Was it good? No. There's no good about any of this, but (laughs) it was okay. Well, the part I didn't understand is they have the scanner, right, and they're scanning the water. Why not scan the area around that as well? And wouldn't you have picked up life signs right underneath you? The metal was blocking it. But, like, all this technology they have in the world... Heads-up displays in our helmet, and they have the yeah. worst scanning technology, like, ever. First off, why do you have to pull out an external scanner? If, it's you've, not, got, if you've got a heads-up display in your helmet, you don't have it thermal is not, imaging it or is nothing? It is not the worst scanner in the universe. Star Trek has the worst scanners <laughs> in the universe. Because a level one diagnostic never discovers anything. True. They always have to go to a... Don't even run. Two, why don't they just level, go right away to a level two diagnostic? Yeah, like, why are we doing level one Level one never has found anything ever in the history of Star Trek. <laughs> That's the worst scanner in, in any sci-fi universe. I don't know. I think the worst scanner actually might be the one they use in the Aliens. Oh, the... The <laughs> tracker? Yeah. 
It just doesn't tell you where it's yeah. coming. It's, it's above, moving. below. It's moving. There's movement. You just don't know where. <laughs> it could be moving anywhere. Phew, well, we know that something's moving. <laughs> right? Like, I've always said those are the worst. <laughs> Why would you use those trackers? They could be, you know, there could be a whole uh, pack of rats yeah. coming at you, and you'd be thinking they're aliens. Is it showing you the hallway schematic so we at least know? No. no. It's just showing me dots. Right. And they're moving. That's all we know. <laughs> what they needed is they needed a wolf cat. Wolf cat. Oh, and the wolf cat in the water just swimming in a circle. <laughs> doing the cat skin. And then <laughs> on top of the loath cat are the two droids from the desert. Yeah, so that would have made this whole episode a whole heck of a lot better. No. <laughs> the one that's still in the hyperspace. There, there you go. <laughs> Being controlled by the ailing pilot. What? What's no, the, she's still on the planet. I got, a, I got a question for you guys, though. What's the deal with the water on this planet? Why can't anybody be in the water? Why is well, water no, that like was, that poison? Was a, that was a big drop. I think that oh, that, I that, that level a, of fall would have killed them. Really? You think that's oh, yeah. what the danger that, was? The, the, the level of Hitting fall. water from that height is like hitting concrete. That okay. would kill you. All right. I don't know. I've done some pretty tall jumps in my days. Have you seen this? This thing is up like a 12 to 20-story building off the water. That's pretty damn far. You, you ever watched a Navy man jump off a plane, parachute down, jump 50 feet from the parachute into the water? Well, 50 feet is... Uh, a story in the building. Plus. A story is twelve feet. So yeah. if this is a twenty-story building, that is saying. a hundred and forty-foot drop. <laughs> if, if you know how to do it, <laughs> two, well, these are also kids. Two yeah, kids and no That's clothing, true. no two gear. Two kids, no clothing, no gear. Yeah, I get it. But you, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm, they, there's this thing about the water in the station. Like, I'm not just in this episode with all of them. It's yeah, like, yeah, water's poison or something. I'm like, <laughs> I people, we all bathe in it. We all swim in it. Like, why are we making this a big deal that there's water? Onto the station. So what? Like, right. I don't know. Maybe it's not water. <laughs> well, that's not the way they portrayed it in any of these episodes. Maybe it reacts to them like in that whole Alien Nation movie. And it's like battery acid to them. <laughs> I don't Ma- know. M- maybe it's uh, fuel. <laughs> <laughs> They've been sitting on it all this yeah. time. <laughs> okay. I, I loathe to do this because I kind of know what the answer is going to be. You loathe Cat to do this? I loathe Cat to do this. But yeah, well, I loathe Wolf you. So I, 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 I wanna... Damn it, you beat me to it. I was going to loathe Wolf it myself. Uh, so I, I, but we would have to rate this episode, so I loathe Owl this. So zeros don't bother, tens a must-see. Anybody want to go first to like, kill this thing right off Okay, the I'm going to go higher than you guys. I'm going to give it like a four. <laughs> Which is probably going to be higher than you guys. Only because some of the conversation I liked. Okay. Some of the discussions where where the commander and the thing was talking to Phasma, and he's kind of playing the politics game with her, like, yeah. I'm going to give you information. But he's obviously walking some fine line, because, you know, he doesn't know what's going on yet with the First Order. I liked the <laughs> fact that they tied in Kylo Ren, that Kylo yeah, Ren slaughtered a planet, time. and that's the secret. These kids witnessed it and know what the First Order's doing, and that's kind of dangerous, that there were witnesses to a guy descending with a lightsaber and slaughtering a planet, you know? Right. So I thought, okay, that's at least a nice tie-in. I still remark that I like the visual style sometimes. There are sequences and angles and lighting and some of the modeling of the environment that I, I dig. I wish they were doing more with it. It's so right. frustrating that it, some of it looks cool and they're not doing anything with it. So for the little things like, oh, hey, there's you know Kylo Ren being mentioned and a tie-in right. with the greater Star Wars universe... And the fact that that information is making it back to the Rebellion, tying into Leia Organics. We have that little talk at the end. Um, there's at least a couple connections. Is it a must-see? No, I can't give it above a four. Okay. Gary, where did you rate this one? How many pillows? Uh, actually, I'm going to give it a Canto Bright Horse. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what number? I don't even know. 
I didn't like him in uh, the Last Jedi, and I don't like this thing now. So, so I'd say zero. Yeah, big fat goose egg. <laughs> okay, he did fall asleep through this one. I want to point our audience out to that. A, a, a loath goose egg. <laughs> a loath goose that? egg. Um, I actually was going to give this one a little higher. I was going to give it a four too, Eric. For almost. So you're giving it a forty-two. Four as well. <laughs> I'm giving it a four as well. Almost for the same reasons. I I do like the fact that at the end we've got this question of what was this thing that was handed over to the, the symbol. Cap- yeah. The symbol. And I'm hoping at some point we reveal what that symbol is. And it's not just something that they just throw off and we never find out. Right. I'm hoping that's a thing we find out later. So it generated some interest for me in that regard. I do like the fact that we're now finally seeing Kaz like reporting he back. Did, to he the did resistance. his first bit of spying. Right. We actually see some spying going on, which and he reports back to the resistance. So we're seeing that that's actually happening for the first time. I'm not sure that this was all that exciting to be reporting back other than well, the, here's the Kylo thing. Ren thing. Leia or, he said Leia Organa is going to want to hear about really this. Interested, it's right. her son. She's going to want to know. Right, she's going to want to know. <laughs> so, you know, okay, there's that moment. But like you said, there's just not, other than those two things, as as little holdouts, the rest of this this, this episode just really had a non-impact. It's slow, it's a, slow moving. Slow moving. Imagine intercutting this. Imagine intercutting each of these episodes with a race. Right. Where we see shots of the race going, going on, on around. The There's a sense of action and activity happening yeah. on the base that at least builds up the energy level of the episode. So the things we're watching, and you hear cheers muffled in the distance, so something happened, or an explosion, someone crashed. You don't need to see it. You just get the sense that racing is right. going on, which right. was the point. And it ties in with the whole idea of him being a mechanic for a racing platform. It just needs... I, yeah. There's a, there's a level of energy missing from these episodes, and that might be it, Eric. Maybe we just need some racing or something going on, but it's Imagine it's even a cool visual of them being up in the tower meeting with the commander. Right. And as Kaz is sitting there, the shadows of ships go across him. Things are passing outside the window. Something's happening. Something. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's, it just seems to be bland and blah and not moving anywhere, and I don't, know, I don't get it. I don't get what they're trying to do. I don't get what this show's trying to do. Okay, so those were our thoughts on Star Wars Resistance. Yet again, folks, I I feel like we but need no, to hey, apologize, but hey. I'm not apologizing. This is the show that we're given here. This show has been renewed for a second season. <laughs> so, Well, that's what I'm talking about. I'm surprised it's already been renewed. So those were our thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Head over to GalaxyCast.com. Let us know. Go on our Twitter or Facebook. Uh, find us on YouTube. Leave us some comments. We'd love to know what you have to say. As we always like to say here in the Star Production Studios... May the force be with those who listen to Shatterpoint. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You've failed me for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.